Hello, everyone, and welcome. It's the full 40. It's Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. What's going on, people? We're back. Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving week. We already played our Thanksgiving tournament. We did. Which is kind of weird. It is kind of weird. And let's talk about that. Let's just start right there. Are we excited? How do you feel? I actually am moderately excited, yes. I know we're coming off a loss, but everyone, like, just hear me out here, just lift those spirits up a little bit it's thanksgiving week we have a lot to be mm. thankful for it's a good it's a good take. a lot to be thankful for we've had a great run as a program this is a young team that's coming together but i want to start with something i'm not thankful for and Ooh. that's the fact that we've already played our thanksgiving tournament yeah. fuck thanksgiving tournaments that don't take Ooh, place interesting don't take place the week of thanksgiving the hottest of takes right here you know why because Tell me. i'm at freaking work doing shit and I gotta watch a Thanksgiving tournament that's not on Thanksgiving. That's bullshit. Yeah. So now you get to go back and deal with all your parents and your family shenanigans, and you have no reprieve of Villanova basketball. Be right. like, hey, I gotta watch the game. Right. Watch the game. right. Sorry. And everyone knows it. Yeah. Like, everyone in my family is like, oh, you got Villanova basketball? We won't talk politics right now. How's Villanova doing? Yeah. I, my, my family does the same thing, too. Like, I go over to my, my aunt and my uncle's house, and they're luckily in Philly, and they're like, oh, what time is the Villanova game on? Well, let me put it on the TV. And I'm like, okay, twist my arm. Like, yeah. I'll hang out in front of the TV for two hours. Yeah. Gets me a pass out of everything. Don't get me wrong. Love the family. But it's awesome to have that. Yes. No. Thanksgiving is a great holiday. Easily my favorite holiday. Oh, interesting. Easily my favorite non-summer holiday. July 4th is probably, like, one of the Memorial Day July 4th. Mm run is probably actually up there for me as like favorite holiday but in terms of the quote-unquote holiday season of thanksgiving christmas etc it used to be christmas yeah but yeah for growing reasons, up yeah. growing up for obvious reasons but now it's shifted to thanksgiving just because there's like very little expectations it's like go eat a shitload of good food and then sleep I'm with you. So I hadn't really thought about this, and we're, we're diverging here, but I think we should—this is important. This yes. is—we're doing God's work here. Yes. We need to discuss this. I think you're right. As I think about it now, the Thanksgiving holiday is really spot on because a lot of employers do give you the Thursday-Friday off, yep. which is awesome. So yep. you've got super long weekend to start. As you said, the expectation is generally pretty low of like— yeah, like, I don't have to bring a gift or anything like that. I just get to hang out, eat some food. Leftovers extend for a few days. And I typically get the fallback of watching watch Villanova basketball. basketball. Ridiculous. It is. You know Absolutely what? ridiculous. I'll go so far as to say the Myrtle Beach Invitational, which I'm now on Myrtle Beach time. A Myrtle Beach time. Did anybody listen to that? No. Um, no. Has now ruined my Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Not thankful. We are not thankful for not that. thankful. That jingle though, very effective. I was singing Myrtle Beach time all the time. <laughs> Nicole was like, Why are you singing that? And I was like, I they don't know. The it. marketing's really good. <laughs> anyway. So all right, so 
We're three minutes plus into the podcast, and I so hate, far I hate podcasts who do that. By the way, they're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, let's talk about bullshit for three minutes." Yeah, I'm like fucking hate that. We yeah, usually we don't do it. it, but we did it. We did it. We did it. Here you because go. Because it was relevant. It was kind of relevant. Yeah. I'm All right. With it. So we've moved past. We we've gotten over Thanksgiving now. Yep. And really now, I mean, to that point, we have nothing all week until playing LaSalle, which is like the womp womp team of the big five, <laughs> right, on it's Sunday. True. It's true. Right. Yeah. So Ashley Howard, little Ashley Howard. Ashley Howard, big Ashley Howard guy, but his team still sucks. <laughs> it's going to take a few years. Um, Your team is terrible. Yeah. And so we're not going to really spend a lot of any time covering that. I'm going to cover it. We should win. Yeah. Done. We should win. Okay. There you go. Moving if, on. If we don't win, we might do an emergency pod. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. But after LaSalle, we play Penn and St. Joe's. So we got basically three out of the four games back of the Big Five coming up in the next week. And then following that, the, the last game of the Big Five is Temple, which is in February. Right. So we won't get to finish our out-of-conference slate until way later. Yep. Which I used to like, by the way. I used to like. We used to play like mm, St. Joe's and Temple like mix it up in a February. Bit. Yeah. And I used to like playing them at that point in time because it mm. felt like you were fully into the season. So you felt like what the teams were showing up were those teams. I very much remember our freshman year, which was the 2005 2006 team. We made the Elite Eight. We played St. Joe's and UConn in like back to back games. Okay. And those were two awesome games because they had the split house because it was the 50th anniversary of the mm. Holy War. And you had the split house, which was wild. And we had a huge comeback victory. Right? And then you follow that up with the UConn game, which has been talked about. Right. Sure. Like in Jay Wright Villanova lore for like the last 14 years. Yeah. So. Because we old. So I used to like it back, back then. But. Nevertheless, St. Joe's has been patently awful. So, Terrible. So we get to play them next week, and then Temple's in February. Um, and then after that, Delaware. Big game. The Dylan Painter rematch. He won't be playing, though. Yeah. He's still out of semester, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. But we do get to see the paint. The artist. The artist. The artist known as Dylan Painter. Um, and then following that, dun-dun-dun. Kansas. Big game. Big game. Third L of the season. <laughs> Coming up. For sure. For so, sure. So with that, like, yeah, let's let's just broad takeaways, and then we can talk a little bit about individual games. But yeah. Broad strokes takeaways from the Myrtle Beach Invitational. We came in second place. Oh, Myrtle Beach time. Jesus. <laughs> this episode of the Full 40 is brought to you by Myrtle Beach Time. Yes. Real, literally the most effective marketing campaign ever. <laughs> Just amazingly in my head. Um, we had three games in four days. Yeah. Which was interesting, by the way. We didn't play on Saturday, but... They usually do that. They give you a break. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, we came in second, lost to Baylor in the final game, had a three-point lead going into half, ended up losing by seven, so a ten-point swing in that second half. Uh, no, we lost by nine. Um, so we had a 12-point swing in that second half. But let's just take broad strokes takeaways. Before the tournament, we expected, we said on the pod that we expected to lose one game. We thought that that was going to be against Mississippi State. We did. So we got the we got the loss wrong. Yep. But we also thought that we wouldn't have a chance to play Baylor. Yeah. So we thought we were going to play a worse team yesterday. Look, you know and what? get a dub. You're not there. giving us enough credit. We said we'd lose one game. We lost one game. Check. 
Done. Yep, we were right. Done. That's yes. that's my takeaway from it. Yeah. Cool. Um, but M- Mississippi State, we won that game, which I thought was a great statement win. That, yeah. That win is going to put that win on your resume, in your back pocket. Absolutely. When it comes time for a tournament time, being like, oh, look at that. Uh, what does that say there? Oh, that's Myrtle Beach time? Yeah, Myrtle Beach time. Win against Mississippi State. It's it's definitely going to be looked on favorably. I think Mississippi State, they were actually playing a man down as well, too. I think one of their guards was at Weatherspoon, I want to say. So, yeah, they should be a tournament team, and that's absolutely going to be a good win. Yeah. Yeah, Ben Howland's going to have that team in the tournament. Yeah. So, you got that. We played Baylor tough. Um, we obviously kicked a whole load of ass in the first game. Yeah. Versus um, Middle Tennessee. Which, again, we, we, we thought we'd win that one, and we won that one. It was nice to see. I think it was a big confidence boost for some of the guys, namely Cole Swider. Yeah. Of course, my phone autocorrects to Cole Swisher, Cole which Swisher. after that game was absolutely appropriate. He was on fire. He yeah. had over 20 in the first half. Yeah. It was just like, oh. Yes, like give me more of that Swisher action. Loved That's it. right. Loved it. That's right. And Brian Antoine. That's right. So we saw... Brian Antoine begins on on Thursday in a blowout game versus Middle Tennessee, which we were not correct on. We thought that it would take more time, but then we kind of got correct because the two close games we played on high quality competition, Jay held him out and was D. He was D. Coach's decision DNP in both yeah. those games. Yeah. So, what do you all take from that? Good to see Antoine get in. He looked. Good in his minutes that he had, it was fine. I don't know if I'd go as far he's, as good. He's got he's got time. He, he's still got to work in to get Jay's trust in any type of close game. He's still on that Murphy's which, which is about <laughs> which is about where we thought we were. Yeah. So so where does that put us? He's going to get playing time over the course of next week because you have big five games in December. So he's going to get some increasing playing time. Because and the then Delaware. So the next four games that we play, we should, are all must wins. And then you got Kansas. So it'll be interesting. He should get playing time over the next four games. And then we'll see what happens in that KU game. Yeah. And then, oh, by the way, interesting note, after that KU game on December 30th, we play Xavier. So not a non-conference game, but another December game to be mindful of because Xavier is currently ranked. Yeah. So, so I think then it, it goes back to, so if we think about big takeaways, Brian Antoine, we've talked about the timeline a lot. I don't think we're seeing a, a huge change in the overall timeline from what we thought about in terms of him making a meaningful impact. The next week will be next couple weeks will be very interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, the next couple are definitely about that growth and development within the system. And then if Antoine is going to be for real big time guy this year, yeah. it's going to be shown probably in January. We're probably my guess is that again, right now we could say we could differ from this later, but my guess is that come the KU game, he will still only see a spot role. I think so. Yeah, to give a break to Colin and Justin Moore. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, can we talk quickly? So we were talking about big takeaways. Can we talk quickly a little bit about Cole Swisher? Because I was, yeah. I mean, obviously we talked about the Middle Tennessee State game. I liked what I was seeing in general from him, too. Even against Baylor, obviously the Baylor game didn't pan out the way we wanted it to. Yeah. But the comfort level that he has on the floor is definitely different from what we saw last year, obviously. He's very comfortable putting the ball on the floor. He's driving. He's pump faking. 
He's making shots. He's playing very confidently on the offensive end. Defensively, still leaving stuff, you know, a number of things to be desired. But yeah. having that weapon there is is really exciting to me. So coming out of that tournament, seeing that, I was like, yeah, check the box. Like, the kid's ready. I can't remember a time where I've seen such a significant jump. Maybe I, I don't want to compare because I, I understand that this is a fraught comparison. Give us the, give us the fraught comparison. But, but seeing a guy who played very limited spot minutes one year. Well, all Ben. <laughs> And then in his in his freshman year, and then followed by his sophomore year, like all of a sudden being like a real reliable um, sixth seventh option that's like looks like a totally different player somehow out of nowhere because he didn't do it over the course of playing games with Villanova. He did it over the course of the summer, right? And and and, and practice leading up to the games, kind of like a McHale. Hmm. And I'm, and I'm not talking his first year of playing to his second year of playing. I'm talking, obviously, his redshirt year. He didn't play at all. And then he looked very worked in and a very mm. key, critical part of the, nas- the 2016 National That's Championship team um, bench, bench role. And I thought that was interesting. Now, of course, McHale was brought in as a defensive specialist. Right, I was going to say, big difference. Swire is brought in as a offensive specialist. Yeah. That being said... <laughs> what, it's not a defensive specialist for Swire? No. <laughs> um, that being said, my point is more to say, having limited to no role one year, to having like a very critical one-sided yeah, that's interesting. role the following year, and he is... He's got as good of a he's got as good of a, a release and a shot as like any player I can remember. And we've talked about before mechanically. Had, yeah, I mean, and the nice part is similar to Bridges. He's tall to start, and he's got damn long arms. So like, good luck blocking that three point shot. Yeah, right. The dude's like six eight, and yeah. just like he's releasing from the ceiling at that point. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. So Swire has really become a very critical asset for this team. The question for Swider is very simple. His ability to break into the starting lineup this year or next year, because we're returning everybody, pretty much. Hopefully not, but we're probably going to return everybody. Yeah. Um, and Jerry. Yeah. Jerry's probably not coming back. But yeah. Mm, I'm not bought into that. Yeah, we'll see. He's, he's like top 15 on draft boards. So we'll get to that. I'm not bought into that. The difference is Swider um, doesn't have it on the defensive end. And his ability to break the starting lineup is going to be completely based on that. Mm. And he's got a lot of other guys in front of him who, like, necessarily take over that spot. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. And obviously Jay values the defense. Like, that's absolutely critical. The guys get in playing time. He harps on it all the time, so I'm with you. Yeah. Right. So um, that's, that's Swisher. <laughs> Swisher. I swear my phone autocorrects, and at first I was like, ah, oh, this is annoying, and then I was like, yeah, you know what? It kind of works. It kind of works. It should work. Last year it didn't really work as much because he wasn't playing, but now I'm embracing it. Cole Swisher, baby. If the shoe fits. If the shoe fits. Yep. All right, so we got – we talked about Antoine. We talked about Swider. Um, Colin? I think we got to talk about Colin, and let's just say it here. The Arf Arf yes. Alpha Dog of the Week – Embrace it because yeah. it. I don't know if it's going to be every week. Yeah. 
But Colin Gillespie is our, our, our alpha dog of the week. Also recognized by the Big East. He got Big East Men's Basketball Player of the Week. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I got to yeah. say, oh, quick uh, social media note too. Bridges just absolutely dissing Colin. He was like, you know, it got posted by the Big East, uh, Big East Player of the Week, Colin. Mikhail was like, ah, I've never seen one of these before. Just like yeah. absolutely dragging him, which is awesome. Oh, but man. but yeah, it's, it's terrific. I, we, we talked about last podcast, one of the things we wanted to see was Colin and Jermaine having those breakout games. Absolutely saw it from Colin. Yeah. Colin was masked ma- off. Done. Colin Gillespie unfiltered. Unmasked, baby. Unmasked, unfiltered. He was unedited. Unedited. <laughs> he was ready to rock and roll. Uncensored. Uncensored. Un everything. Yeah. He was on Unbelievable. Myrtle. He was on Myrtle Beach time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for the second straight year. A bad weekend for the Colin Gillespie haters amongst the Villanova fan base. That's right. Yeah, and there are, they're out there. And I want to address this for a second. If you're a Colin Gillespie hater, I just have to understand why. Why? I just don't get it. You know what he was coming in out of high school. You knew he was a late pickup. You knew all those things. And, like, why? Like, what is your issue? You shouldn't have that issue. Stop having the issue. Okay, I've addressed it. I'm off my soapbox. It just doesn't make any sense to me. That being said, Colin was drilling it from deep. He was getting in the lane. He was, which we talked about last pod. We didn't really have people breaking it down. He was, I wouldn't say he was breaking it down, but he was absolutely attacking the hoop. He was, he was, he was getting a piece of the paint to set up the offense on multiple times. And sometimes he would just be left open and he would make the layup. I mean, this is as in-depth analysis as we're going to go into we just dropped as many like basketball phrases as we know. So you're here, here, piece of the paint, breaking people down. I think that's the extent of my knowledge at this point. He did. He did, he did also go. drop some dimes. He dropped some dimes. They yeah, were, just, he had a couple. He had a couple no looks. I was like, oh shit! He just did that. It yeah. was pretty awesome. Yeah, agreed. So, look, Colin had a great weekend. Um, he looked phenomenal in all aspects of the game. Uh, offensively for sure. Defensively, I think Colin is always going to be a step slower than like the quickest guards, and I think that really hurt us against Baylor. I'm not blaming it on Colin per se, no. but I am blaming it in general on the fact that we don't have a lot of quickness at the guard yeah. spot, and it's odd to see that in a Villanova team It is not have elite-level guards, but in the absence of an elite-level guard, Colin was elite this past weekend. Yeah. No, he was... He absolutely stepped up when we needed him to. It was super exciting to see. And you obviously want him to take that leadership role. Jay certainly trusts him, and he he was ready to go. So after Colin. Samuels, perhaps? Yeah. So we said at the beginning of this year that this team is Jermaine Samuels, and Jermaine Samuels is this team. This team can go as far as Jermaine Samuels' ceiling is reached. Mm. And so... Jermaine playing significant minutes, which I think he's deserved over his time over the program, and I'm comfortable with his minutes allocation, so sure. I'm not debating his minutes allocation. Yeah, yeah. But with those minutes, like, has to come production. Sure. And Jermaine is early on this season. He's had a couple of flashes. He is our recipient. I'm proud to announce that he is our recipient of the Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week. Oh, yeah. He had a stuff on Mississippi State that was Oh, yeah. Ferocious. Ferocious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he gets that. But, like, his ability to— He had a nice throwdown against Baylor, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. 
But his ability to disappear is unbelievable. It's just a more like even. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But he really can. It's frustrating because. I'm a big Jermaine Samuels guy, yeah. as I've said multiple times on the pod. And it's very frustrating because you really want to see this kid do well. And I don't think – I think he's doing a lot of things well. Maybe some of it doesn't show up in the box score. Yeah. Um, but he needs to be more of a clean-up-the-garbage X-factor type of guy. He needs to be more than that. He is a star player, right? And he has to stop or letting – everything else get in the way of him unleashing that inner star player. Like, he needs to do that. Yeah. And it's very frustrating to watch him disappear and then at the end of the game being like, what happened to Samuels this game? And I think in particular you're talking about the Baylor game. Like, Mississippi's eight, he had 14 points, which was nice. Correct. But Baylor, he was, I mean, he, he played he played 20 minutes, which you can say, like, oh, 20 minutes is nice. But, yeah, 20 minutes is, like, bench guy. We don't want to see... We're not talking about Samuels as a bench guy. We're talking about Samuels as an impact player. Samuels should be first or second team all Big East. Yeah. As he was predicted early yes. on. Yeah. And he played in the um, in the Pan Am games. Yeah. He had a good run there. For sure. He needs to be a guy who's there every single game. He needs to... That consistency level for Jermaine Samuels is going to define this team time and time again. I'm convinced of it. Because a lot of the players are known entities. You know what you're getting from Swire. You're getting good shooting, maybe lacking defense. Maybe you get a game where he has a better defensive set. Slater, great defensive. He can hit a shot or two occasionally. Great. Colin, you know what you're getting. Bay, you know what you're getting. JRE, you know what you're getting. Like, Samuels, and all. I expect all these players to improve, and I expect the team as a whole to improve. But Samuels is this guy. He has to go from being the X factor to a known entity. Mm -hmm. And if he makes that jump, which I thought he might have been able to make based on how last season ended, which he was our X factor at the end of the season, but he was much more consistently being that guy at the back end of the season, starting with that Marquette blow-up game. This year, he's been had a couple good games. He's had a couple not-so-great games. You can't have wishy-washy Jermaine Samuels right now. We need Jermaine to be the guy who is going to be scoring 10-plus points, 15-plus points a game, and be like a constant double-double type contributor all over the glass, all over it defensively, and just seemingly everywhere. And he has the potential to do that. He's athletic. He's a man. He's strong. He can shoot the ball. He can do a lot of different things in the game. And he needs to slow this game down and he needs to get a groove and he needs to be hitting that groove for the rest of the season. Yeah. And I think if I'm a listener, I could sit here and probably say, well, he doesn't need to do that because we do have a lot of other weapons, which I think we'll get to. But I think what you're saying is that his, when he is doing that, our ceiling and our floor is just so, so much higher because he does have that potential. And when he's doing that, you know that team's energy level is going to be so much higher because he brings it. Yeah. Now you know that this year he's not he's getting a harder he's getting a harder cover sure. than than he was last year because of Pascal and Booth. Absolutely. But like uh, to me it doesn't matter. No, that's, that's the name of the game. Like you grow, your role advances, you get better defenses thrown against you, and you got to perform. Yeah. And that's all we're looking for. All right. So other 
takeaways? I mean, I think the big takeaway we didn't we talked about a lot of individual players, which I always hate when we do individual player by player run throughs. But it's hard after three games. It's hard so. after three games, and I think actually we had a lot of interesting takeaways when you look at at all of our players together. There there were a lot of great progressions and things we wanted to see that actually did come to fruition. The other thing that we need to talk about is is this team as a whole coming together. The thing that one of the things we talked about last podcast was wanting to see this team gel and wanting to see the team start to raise the floor a little bit. Yeah. And I think after watching this game for after watching this team for 3 games, you saw some of that gelling. You started to see a little bit of that identity come together. And frankly, one of the things that excited me most about this team, even though we didn't end up winning the tournament, was that you kind of saw that on any given night, and you started to see this throughout the season too, on any given night, it could be anybody who's coming to play and is our leading scorer. And I don't want to go so far as to say this is the 2018 team where you've got you know six NBA guys there who, yeah, any one of them can kill you on a night. But you start to see a little bit of resemblance there. It's not last year where it's either Eric or it's Phil or maybe it's Colin, and that's pretty much it, right? Like, we've already seen Swider. We've seen Jerry. We've seen Colin. We know Samuels can do it. We know Bay can do it. So there are all of those guys who started to contribute, and we started to see a few more of those boxes get checked. Game one, it was Swider. Game two, it was Jerry and Colin. Game three, it was Colin again, and then eh, it fell off. But whatever. Point being, you see a lot of weapons there, and the team is playing a team game, to be honest. And that's exciting to me. Yes, we didn't win all three games, but overall, I feel like, yes, we're starting to see things that raise the floor of this team and show that progression that we want to see. Myrtle Beach was a win in my mind. Like we talked yeah. about it like before the pod, Rob and I were talking about how the fact that it's hard coming off a loss to be like amped about yeah. overall because you know the losses take some time to to wear off. Sure. That being said, I think Myrtle Beach was a dramatic victory, and for all the points that you just mentioned, one, I love the fact that this team can be in any guy, you know step-up type of game, next-man-up mentality. For sure. Love that mentality. That didn't exist last year, and I think that was a frustrating a fr- a point of frustration for the fans of last year's team. Yeah, the fact that we haven't talked about Sadiq Bey is crazy. Correct. Right. Like nuts, but yeah. Right. It, it, that's, it proves a point. Yeah. Right. So you have that. I think this team is ahead of schedule in terms of playing together. This team is it's something we've talked about a couple times already. This team is unencumbered by baggage. Totally unencumbered by baggage. Seemingly a little bit to the point of, like, I wish there would be a little bit baggage <laughs> on, like, the defensive end where they feel like they have to pick up the baggage. Yeah, yeah. But, like, um, and there was some lingerie on the deck, as Bill Raffery would say. Oh, my God. In terms of getting blow by by, like, um, by Baylor's elite guards. Um, quick side note on the announcing. Uh, I think my favorite line from the announcers was, uh, I think it was Fran Fraschilla talking about Jay's cute hoodie yeah. that he got on. Or it was like little cute hoodie or cute little hoodie. Cute I'm like, little hoodie. I was like, ah, I mean, I like the hoodie, but not the descriptor I would have used. But you, you do you. You get paid <laughs> oh, more than me. Oh, look at that cute little hoodie. Yeah, I was like, ah. All right, all right. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I would have used that. Yeah, yeah but you know, you know. Um, GQJ, playing all the angles. 
Good God. What, what are we even talking about? Uh, I don't even know. Takeaways, teams. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I view this Myrtle Beach tournament as a, as a win. I thought it was nice. I thought the fans showed up. I thought that the team looked good, gelled, etc. I thought we saw a step up. We, we got a lot of what we had asked to see happen happen. There's still room for – there's a ton of room for growth. This team has an enormous ceiling. The question of this team is going to be how high and when do we reach our ceiling? Yeah. And do we get to the ceiling? Because that's the thing is like – Do we get to it, yeah. Is do we get to it? Probably not. Y- Everyone know, just assumes that, okay, by, Feb, by March you're going to get to that ceiling. This team is kind of like a two-year work-in-progress team. Again, going back to the, my analogy of the 07, 08, 08, 09 team, where like that 07, 08 team lost an early season turkey tournament game to, like, it might have been NC State, you know, way back. Um, and that was kind of like, okay, this team's got a lot of growth to do, and then hit a real rough patch in January before ascending, and then the following next year was all an ascent to the Final Four. Can the team follow a similar path? I'd be very happy if they did. Sure. But this is probably a two-year progression that we're looking at. I mean, that's that's a little worrisome because I think uh, when you talk about two years, the one thing that does worry me is you lose somebody like – potentially lose somebody like JRE because at the end of the day, JRE is the one who makes this offense tick. Yeah. He allows you to spread the floor, and, and there's a there are probably a number of reasons. You know, Dada hasn't gotten quite the minutes that, that he has. Well, number one reason is Jeremiah Robinson. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just does different things for the offense. It's it's the similar comparison is when you go back to 18, you had Omari um, and you had, you know, Dada similarly. Like, Omari just added so much more to that offense and allows you to spread the floor. Very similar there. So, yeah, if it's a two-year progression, like, I'd love to see that progression. I worry about waiting that long. The, the thing that's interesting to me is, you know, going back to 16 and 18, you do see the development come late because – even on, on both of those teams, there were losses. You know, when we started the podcast in at the in eighteen, right? We had a couple actually bad losses, right? Um, where we were like, oh shit, you know, should we be doing this? And it just kind of came together, right? At the at the end at, in March, and obviously at the end of February in March, and it's just like, well, yeah, obviously it came together. This team, I don't think you're gonna see it come together there's no chance you see it come together until late february and then you're like okay i think this will get there and then it's a question to me of like is the consistency going to be there yeah. when you hit the tournament right is the consistency going to be there and also what did you do over that course of when you weren't consistent did you have enough to get a high enough seed mm. to to drive like a real potential for a deep run yeah because like it's one thing to come together and also, like, be a three or a seed or higher. Right. Right, and have a favorable run in the tournament. It's a whole other thing to be a six seed, right, have come together and then have to play a three in yeah. round two. Yeah. And all of a sudden be like, well, shit, if we don't beat what's effectively a top ten team, we don't even get a bar. We don't even get to pet, make entry into the um, Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Yeah. It's so true. I'm still – look, I can tell you that – When I started the season, my prediction was if this team makes the tournament, I'll be happy. I am pretty confident that this team is a tournament team just based on what I've seen. I test. I've watched a good amount of other college basketball games. We look better and earlier than I thought we would have. If you listen to the announcer who did our first two games, 
we're we're a top five team. It was hilarious. I will say this. I obviously distracted you from you, but. Five minutes into the game against Middle Tennessee State, dude has anointed us as a top five team because we're one of the best teams he's seen live. <laughs> I guess I guess you're not there. Yeah, I don't know what you're. Yeah, I don't know what you're watching, Chris. It's, this is silly, just silly. Yeah, but look, as a Villanova fan, you expect to see certain things come together, culture wise, etc., and the way the team is progressing and, and all that. Clearly, this team's calling card is going to have to be defense because. Offensively, this team is already qualified. Mm. Uh, defense, this team is not at all qualified. Yeah. And it's a mix of every. It's everything we always see every year with J Wright teams is that the difference between a J, the biggest difference between a J Wright team in November and February is defense. Jay plays a complicated switching defense that not everyone gets. Some teams don't ever get it. Right. Right. But. It even takes time for teams that are senior-laden with a variety of stars on the team to pick it up over the course of the year and come together and work. That 17-18 team, the reason why they gelled was offense was good all year. The reason why they gelled was because late in the year, they become a defensive juggernaut on top of being an offensive juggernaut. Right. Right. right? That's what made that team one of the best teams in college basketball the last 100 years. Yeah. Okay. This team is not an offensive juggernaut like that 18 team is. has potential to be a very high ceiling offensively. But this team's floor on the defensive end needs to be elevated dramatically for sure. this team to be a second weekend and beyond team. Yeah. So I've seen enough to say this team should make the tournament. I'm now beyond my expectation of that. I believe that my expectation is probably now round a 32. But I'm not putting this team's expectations at any type of second weekend situation prior to a massive improvement defensively. Sure. That's fair. Totally fair. All right. Should we do a little bit of a look ahead? I mean, I think we've already hit the look ahead. I mean, I'm not really that interested in covering LaSalle and Penn. And I mean, so Penn beat Providence. and terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, and St. Joe's Providence supposed to be UConn. Providence is supposed to be a good team this year. Yeah, not a good and, and Penn lost and Penn beat them in Providence. Yeah, that's that's really bad. It's bad for Providence. I will say that it doesn't matter as much for us because we play both teams now. It matters a little bit because we play Providence twice, so we want we would have preferred Providence wins. Yeah, but. It's not that big a deal. Who's your so obviously we don't need a full look ahead. So based on on what we've seen, how many losses do we end up with coming into Big East play? So Big East play begins December thirtieth, as we said against Xavier. We have five games left. Four are against teams that we should win. One against Kansas. Early on in the season, we said four games was that like dividing line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, out of yeah, yeah. If you're over that, if you're over that, race bad. Yeah. If you're at four, okay. Yeah. If you're under four, you feel really good. I do think this team has shown an aptitude to not get beat against a clearly inferior team. I think team. so, yeah. So I'm willing to say that we'll go in with three losses. I think okay. you pick the Kansas game to lose. I do think it's winnable. Now, you have the potentiality to see to see the team overlook a team in the in – the, in the run-up to the Kansas game because young teams tend Kansas, to do stuff yeah. like that. So, like, 
running up to the circle game? Do we drop one? It's just hard to say. If you were going to pick one, you'd pick the St. Joe's game because St. Joe's is a rivalry game, so all bets are off, and it's at their place. Rivalry, rivalry in quotes. Yes, rivalry quotes. in quotes. Yeah, correct. I'm with um, you though. I think it's. I think it's. We end up with three losses yeah. right at East play. Yeah, and then UConn in January is at home. Temple is away, so you might lose another out of conference yeah. game between between all that. Yeah, but I think going into Biggie's play, three losses. I think that's it. Yeah, when I say yeah, it's about what we expected to be in here. Right, and your best win is against Mississippi State, which isn't great. It's not great. Not terrible, but not terrible. Good news is that a lot, a lot, a lot of opportunities in the Big East between Seton Hall, Xavier, Georgetown has a good chance to make a to make an NCAA tournament appearance this year. Providence does as well. Yeah. Um, DePaul is good, I guess. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Let, there's still a lot of question marks there. Yeah. So so you have an up Big East, so you have a lot of opportunity in in out of conference in uh, in conference play. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, should we touch quickly on the Eric Pascal monitor. Yeah, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, so Eric just continues his um, his domination of the Golden State Warriors social media accounts. The Golden State Warriors are all in on Eric at this point. They are pushing him. They're putting out Eric highlights. Here's Eric's top ten scoring plays. Eric Pascal gets buckets. Like they are just full in on him. I mean, they have. Basically nothing else to look forward to. Well, they're not all in on winning games. They are, to be clear, they're terrible. They're an absolutely terrible team. Yeah. They are one of the worst teams in the NBA. I think they have three wins. It's it's abysmal. That said, Eric is putting up highlights against some real players on the Golden State Warriors' most recent Instagram post. They showed highlights against him scoring against LeBron, scoring against James Harden. Not a guy known for his defense. But he's still one of the top players in the NBA, and it's pretty cool. Also included in there was a kind of bully play where he just absolutely ran over Jalen when they were playing the Mavs. It was pretty awesome. Jalen was like kind of trying to do one of his, I'm going to draw a charge, and Pascal was just like, nah, man, I've seen this before. Just straight up trucked him. It was, it was terrific. Um, he's got a couple man jams in there. He is basically the same player that he was at Villanova, just on an NBA floor. It's the same set of moves. He's using his physicality. He's dropping some step backs, some turnarounds, hitting some threes. It's pretty awesome to see, I gotta say. Like, you I knew he had this in him. You, you knew, you know, it's one thing to say you knew he had it in him, but actually doing it at the NBA level. In a consistent form. In a consistent format is always a crapshoot, and you can't bank on it, because there have been a lot of great college players who've gotten to the NBA, and it just hasn't panned out. And look, the sample size is pretty small. He's, I don't know, 17, 18 games in at this point. But he's leading all rookies in scoring. (laughs) Like, who predicted that? Nobody predicted that. I'm sure if you put a a wager on that at the beginning of the year, you'd be making some great money now. So it's just awesome to see. He's scoring real points. The team's terrible. But, like, it's neat to see the, the Warriors fans actually get behind him and be talking about, hey, when Steph comes back, when Clay comes back, having Pascal in that rotation is going to be so dangerous. And it's true. Like, he seems to have walked into an awesome situation where he's been able to, to highlight his skill set, and hopefully that's going to continue going forward. So that's, I think, the, uh, the big thing from the Heart Monitor this week. Though... We will 
spend a quick minute on on the actual heart monitor. Yeah, go for it. So Lighthearted podcast, the, little faux pas. Little faux pas. So the Lighthearted podcast Josh has, we we love it. By the way, would would highly recommend it. Josh has a lot of great uh, celebs on athletes entrepreneurs, a lot of different folks too. Definitely worth a listen. But what's interesting is he did an interview with uh, with Lonzo Ball. It was probably a couple months ago at this point. Put out the pod. No big deal. It was fine. Whatever. Actually, had some interesting sound bites. Then, I guess they, they recently put up the video for it, or they came across the video for it, which was also put up, but it was unedited. And there were a couple uh, couple exchanges between Josh and Lonzo, which were, I would say, a little bit more, a little bit more biting towards the the Lakers organization. Nothing egregiously bad, but Josh had to put out an apology today. It was like front page on ESPN. Yeah, it's like hard apologizes yeah. to the Lakers organization. I was like, ooh, it's it's not a great look. So anyway, you only get the highest quality editing here on the full forty. No faux pas. We guarantee it. Our audience is huge. We look out and we respect the Laker organization. But anyway, give Josh's pot a listen. We always love it. I think that's pretty much it from the heart monitor. Kyle's still out. Dante's gotten a little bit of a starting spot recently with the, the Bucks, which is cool. But not too much else from you guys. Nope. Nope. Cool. Yeah, Jalen's had him a, a little year. Archie Diakono had a big steal. He had a big steal, yeah. It, contributed but, to obviously, Levine. the highlight was Levine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he didn't knock down the shot. Zach Levine knocked down the shot. Yeah, but he, he Villanova fans are great like that, though. I love that. It's like, it's like everywhere else, it's like, look at what Zach Levine did. Yeah. And all the Villanova fans are like, oh, look at Archie Jackson's steal. Got the steal, got the steal, man. Hey, somebody yeah. had to create that shot. So, uh, but, but I think that's it, right? I think that's pretty much it, yeah. So, kind of a slow week for Villanova coming up. Look out for a win against Ashley Howard and LaSalle. Yeah, I hope everyone enjoys their Thanksgiving. I know you won't be able to watch Villanova basketball. You'll have to entertain politics. Yikes. Sorry. It's not our fault. We didn't do it. We did not. But nevertheless, we press on here at the Full 40. We press on here at Villanova basketball. And we're thankful for a great team and a great program. That's right. And all of you as listeners. Yes. So... With that, we'll wrap up. Happy Thanksgiving, and as always, let's let's go go Nova. Nova.